So anyway, today, the obligatory scripture, we're, I'm going to be preaching a message entitled, In Everything Thankful. It's somewhere there. In Everything Thankful. It's right behind that one. <laughs> I can see it. You can't. <laughs> so 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, uh, beginning verse number 16. Now this is something that we've probably heard a hundred times. We've preached on it. We've read. Uh, but it's, it's really appropriate for this Sunday and here's the way it reads, Paul writing to the church in Thessalonica, he said, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything, everybody say everything, in everything give thanks, why? For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Let's read that again. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. May the Lord add his blessing to his word this morning. Here's the news. Ready or not, Thursday's coming. Right? Ready or not. I, I mean, I, I don't know how many of you here this morning have, have already made your lists and you've gone shopping and you, you bought the turkey, you bought the ham, you bought the stuff for cornbread dressing, not stuffing. Cornbread dressing. <laughs> we, okay, there, there's some stuffing folks here, but I like cornbread dressing. I talked about it Wednesday night. I got off on it. I got home. I was hungry. I was ready for some cornbread dressing with, with uh, all the stuff that goes in it, you know. Uh, but here's the thing. This week, right now, today, signals the mad dash towards Christmas. I, I, don't, I don't know if it was this year or or uh, maybe it's been, been a long time coming, but have you noticed that it seems like we skip holidays? I mean, I can remember the first time going into a department store back in probably September, uh, and they had Christmas displays already. And I thought, now wait a minute. We have Labor Day, we have Halloween, we have Thanksgiving, and we have Christmas. And, and, and you know, Halloween's not, the, it's not an issue, but Thanksgiving is a big deal. Amen? I don't know who it was that said that we have it all backwards, that we, we take one day out of the year and we are grateful and we say thank you when it should be. We should, we should celebrate thankfulness 364 days a year and then take one day and complain and gripe about everything. I don't know what you would call it, you know, but, but I'm sure we could come up with, a, with an interesting name for aggravation day or, or complaining day or griping day or whatever. But that's true. You know, we, we, we take one day, and, and again, so that's what we want to do. We want to say thank you for all the blessings that we have. And, and, and I mentioned this on Wednesday night, and it's interesting to me how people, again, you can get 10 people together, and probably 10 people have 10 different ways in which they celebrate Thanksgiving. For some people, Thanksgiving is a time where we, uh, where we gather together with our family and our friends, and we, uh, we, we just fellowship together. We have a great time. We break bread. Uh, together we have the cornbread dressing together and the turkey and the ham but then some people get together and it's a day of sports because on Thursday there will be one game after another after another it's a day filled with football and, and there are a lot of people that that's their day they love to just chill out veg out and watch football still others like to get together and they and, and Thanksgiving is a strategic planning session and what I mean by that is they get together and all of the slicks and the advertisements that have been around for the last, you know, month, they pull them out and they start plotting their Black Friday, Operation Black Friday, right? You know, they're, they're, they're trying to lay it out, you know, their conquest. Where do we go first? And, 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 you know, this one is offering this sale and this one has this sale. Again, whatever you do, I mean, that's, that's the joy of being able to celebrate. We celebrate a lot. So here's the challenge, though. No matter how you celebrate Thanksgiving, the challenge is for, for each of us is that while we are busy doing many things, how many are busy right now? My busy's busy, right? I mean, I'm busy being busy. That's just where we are. That's life. But here's, here's the challenge for us right now that while we're busy doing so many things, don't forget to pause and say thank you. Don't forget to stop and say thank you. Whether you have plenty this year or you are in need, the truth is 
we have a lot to be thankful for. You, you, ever, you ever notice that gratitude is, is perspective for a lot of people? You know, today we, again, I, I've, I've, I've traveled many, I was telling the early service this morning, several, many years ago I was in Nicaragua and I was act, actually in the, in the jungles of Nicaragua. I was asked to preach at this, and when I got there they tell, told me about this new church that they'd planted in this uh, outside of Managua and so I was excited to be, to go preach in this new church. And of course, I'm thinking with a Western mindset, right? So I'm thinking a new church. I'm, you know, now I understand things down there aren't climate controlled typically. I, I understood that. So I get there and we're driving down this dirt road in the middle of the jungles of Nicaragua. We are probably 10 miles off of the main drag, bumpy road. I mean, we're just, we're driving down there. And again, in my mind, I'm creating this. How many do the same thing? I, when, when you go somewhere, you create an image of what you think it's going to look like. So, I, so in my mind, I've, I've created this image of what I thought this new church was going to look like. And so we're driving down the road, and we get really close. And the local uh, pastor that was with us and the missionary I was with, uh, they, we were talking about it. And he was just, just beaming with pride of how wonderful the blessings and the favor of God to have this new church. And they planted it there. And so I was excited to preach, and we pull off that main road, and we go up on this driveway, not really into the parking lot because nobody had vehicle, vehicles. And I see this new church for the first time. It was a yellow and white tent with no sides. It had no carpet. It was a dirt floor. And for chairs or for seats, they had cinder blocks with two-by-sixes strung between them. That's where they sat. And this guy was excited and happy. And those, those were the type of benches that if you're not careful when you sit on them, you're going to shout. But you're not going to shout under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. You're going to shout because you got a thorn stuck in your backside. Right? You moved the wrong way and you're going to get that thorn or that splinter. And, and, and I'm there and I'm, I'm, I'm really kind of dumbfounded. I'm thinking, I thought this was a new church. And the missionary said, oh, it is. They just got it in. And they got it set up, and they're, now they're doing this revival, and, and you get to preach in this revival. And I was, you know, I was kind of taken back a little bit. And, of course, I'm standing there watching people as they walk to church. Some of them carried a, carrying stuff with them. Some of them had carts pulled by a donkey or a cow or something. And they come up, and they go into that church, and now they're dressed to a T. You know, the guys had nice dress pants and dress shirts, and the ladies were in their nice dresses, and... And, and we're there worshiping. And man, when the music started, they're, they're singing, beaming with smiles, and they're just excited to be in their new building. And I'm over here again. I'm thinking from a Western mindset, and I'm thinking, wow. I mean, th this was really odd to me. And then I watched, and of course, I believe that, that there are people that when the power of God hits them, we, some people call it slain in the spirit. Some people call it falling under the power of God. I mean, I watched people, and, and they didn't care if, the, if it was a dirt floor Man, when God began to move by His Spirit, I watched men and women that would just fall into the presence of the Holy Spirit, and they didn't care that they were going to get their clothes dirty. They were thankful that God had provided a place for them to worship. And I'll be honest, I left that place humbled and convicted about how spoiled I am. Whether I have a plenty, plenty or whether I'm in time of need, we all have a lot to be thankful for. You see, when we add it up, we've been blessed. And so this is a time for us to pause and say, thank you, Lord, for your blessings on me. You know, there's so many things that we could be thankful for, but here's the thing. I'm a realist, okay? And what it means is, listen, it's easy to live with pie in the sky, but most of us don't live in the sweet by and the by. We live in the nasty now and now, where the rubber meets the road and where we have the hardships and disappointments and difficulty. I'm a realist, so I understand that not everything is sugar and spice and all that's nice, Right? You know, maybe for some people today, everything is the way you want it to be, but maybe for a lot of other people, maybe those online this morning, maybe things are not going very well. Maybe you have problems at your job, maybe problems with your health, problems with your family. It's just not a good time right now. You know, the truth is bad things still happen to good people. Again, I've always struggled with that $64,000 question, why do bad things happen to good people? It's a legitimate question and one that I have no answer for. You know, in Scripture, we've never been told to understand what happens. We've all been told to trust Him. We all know the story of Job. 
You know, Job's been used for, for years as an example of someone who goes through hard times. And, and you think about Job, Job never had a crisis of faith, okay? When, when you look at Job, he never had a crisis of faith. He always believed God. The problem with Job was he didn't understand why God didn't do something about his present circumstance. That, that was Job's issue. Job knew. He said, look, you know, I mean, he, God, I, I know you're there. Why don't you do something? You ever ask that question? I mean, I know I have a hundred times. God, why don't you do something? Why don't you intervene? You know, uh, and it's, it's, the truth is bad things still happen. They happen to good people and they happen to bad people. It rains on the just and the, and the unjust. You know, and, and for us, we look at this and we think, man, I don't understand it. I wish I could tell somebody that if you choose to follow Christ, you'll never have another bad day. You'll never have another doctor's visit. You'll never lose it. Wouldn't that be wonderful? The truth is, I can't say that. My life experience doesn't dictate that. Because I have good times and I have difficult times. You know, sometimes it's very difficult for me to reconcile what I read in Scripture, the blessings in favor of God, and then I look around and my own life experience doesn't bear all that out. I've, I've been very transparent and open with my struggles down through the years uh, with my wife's illness. You know, it's, it's a difficult road. And there are times, I, have you ever felt like that though? Have you ever tried to reconcile God? I don't understand. Why does this happen when it seems like there are people that don't even follow you and it looks like everything's going well for them? I've had those discussions with the Lord. One of my favorite Psalms to read during a time like this when I can't make heads or tails out of what's going on is Psalm 73. I've talked about it before, but it's one of my favorite Psalms. And I, I want to read something to you because here's a guy. Now, Psalms, by the way, are therapeutic letters. That, that's the way I look at Psalms. They're therapeutic letters. They are they're the expressions of people that are having really, most of them are having really difficult times. So they write down their feelings. It's like if you go to a therapist and they say, write a letter. Don't mail it, but write, write a letter. Get all of that out of your system. That to me is what Psalms is. So here's what the writer says in Psalm 73. And I'm going to read it out of Eugene Peterson's The Message paraphrase because I think it's in plain language that we all can relate to. Here's what he writes. He said, no doubt about it. Listen to what he said. God is good. Good to good people. Good to the good hearted. But I nearly missed it. Missed seeing his goodness. I was looking the other way, looking up at the people at the top, okay? Envying the wicked who had it made, who have nothing to worry about, not a care in the whole wide world. You ever been there? God, why is it that I'm serving you and I'm struggling so much and yet I look at people that don't even acknowledge you and it seems like nothing can go wrong for them. That's what he's saying. He goes on and he describes this attitude. He said they're, they're pretentious and they're arrogant. They wear their latest fashion and violence, pampered and overfed, decked out in silk bows of silliness. They jeer using words to kill. They bully their way with words. I like this. He said, they're full of hot air. <laughs> Loudmouths, disturbing the peace. People actually listen to them. Can you believe it? Like thirsty puppies, they lap up their words. What's going on here? Again, this is him struggling to reconcile what he believed about God and what he saw transpiring in daily life. He said, what's going on here? Is God out to lunch? Nobody's tending the store. The wicked get by with everything. They have it made, piling up riches. I've been stupid to play by the rules. What has it gotten me? A long run of bad luck, that's what. A slap in the face every time I walk out the door. Now, I'll stop there. He doesn't end there, but <laughs> thank the Lord. But, but can you sense his frustration? I mean, here's a guy who's writing about his experiences of life, and he's saying, look, I'm struggling right now. Because I, I chose to follow the Lord. I chose to walk into a covenant relationship with Him, and yet I'm struggling, I'm suffering. Listen, when my wife got, uh, again, down through the last 12 years of her having, you know, suffering a stroke, her body, uh, you know, continues to, to atrophy and all those things that go, I still struggle with it. I still have times where I go to the Lord and I'm like, God, I don't understand this. I look at people who don't even serve you, that have no knowledge of you, or want anything to do with you, and... They're fine, and I have to push my wife in a wheelchair every day. What's up with that? Have you ever been there? Maybe not that type of story. Have you ever struggled to know, to wonder? I mean, it seems today that 
people sin with impunity. They have little regard for how they conduct themselves. And the truth is, regardless of how difficult things are right now, listen, every one of us who are a believer have been called by God to have an attitude of gratitude. Every single one of us who believe in Him have been called to be thankful. Thankful in all circumstances. Paul writes in our text this morning, he said, Rejoice, notice what he said, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in some things, no, in all things, in all things give thanks, for this is the will of God. I hear people say, Pastor, I, I really want to know what God's will is. There it is right there. What is God's will? His will is that in all things we give thanks. Because that's His will. Again, now, how many know that's a tall order? (laughs) That's one of those things that's easier said than done by a mile. You know, it's one thing to talk about being thankful. It's another thing to be thankful. It's kind of like someone giving parenting advice that's never had a kid. (laughs) You know, they might understand in theory, but how many know we don't raise children theoretically? We, we raise them practically. That, that's kind of the idea here. Paul, listen, Paul who writes our text this morning, he is well acquainted with the reality of life. I mean, you look at this guy who at one point was Saul of Tarsus. He gets knocked off his high horse on the road to Damascus. He's, been, he's called by God. Now he becomes the apostle Paul. And think about what he endured in life. I mean, this guy, he's been betrayed. He was falsely accused many times. He was beaten, physically harmed many times. He was shipwrecked many times, and and yet he's still able to encourage Christians to do what? To rejoice and give thanks through the hardships that Paul encountered. You know what God was doing? God was setting him up. See, that sometimes, again, it's a matter of perspective. We look at hard times as though God has abandoned us. Paul saw God's hardships as a setup. You've probably heard in the last 30 years of me pastoring here, you've probably heard me more than once talk about, I don't believe in setbacks, I believe in setups. See, God was working, setting him up. What was he setting him up to do? To spread the gospel to more places and more people. Even when it seemed like things were going from bad to worse, Paul was thankful. And the same thing is with us. Even when things are falling apart, we're to be thankful. You know why? Because God is able to make all things work together for our good. That's it. Doesn't say that everything that's going to happen in our life will be good. He just says that God is able to make all things work together for our good. I don't understand. Listen, I got a bunch of questions that throughout my lifetime I've written down that I want to ask him when I get there. Anybody else? I want to know. I want to know why this and not that. Why here and not there. Why him and not him? Why her and not her? I want to know. The reality is when I get there, I probably won't care. <laughs> but, but I feel good because I got a list. You know, I want, I want to know. He's able to make all things work together for my good. See, that's where the trust comes in right there. I mean, think about it. You remember Joseph, right? Remember Joseph? Here's a guy who's treated unfairly by his family. Listen, some of us here have family members that have treated us unfair. Joseph had had family. His brothers treated him unfairly. I mean, they wanted to kill the dude. Instead, they put him in a hole in the ground. And then what did they do? They sell him as a slave to the Midianites as they pass by. So, so, I mean, here's a guy who suffered one indignity after another after another. From from being a a slave to Potiphar's house, falsely accused by Mrs. Potiphar. He's put in prison. And in prison, he's seemingly forgotten about by a friend that he helped. But eventually, you know what? He gets to a place of power, second only to Pharaoh, second in all the land. And when he finally gets to that position and his brothers come, you know the story well, his brothers finally come, the ones who sold him into slavery. Joseph sees them and he's moved by the Spirit of God and he recognizes that God had a plan. And he said, you meant this for evil, but God meant it for good to the saving of many people. See, I think sometimes we fail to recognize, but God had a plan. And when I go through the difficulties, when I go through the struggles, 
It's not that God's abandoned me. It's not that God has given up on me. It's the, but God had a plan. You meant this for evil, but God meant it for good. I mean, Agrippa, talk about Paul. Agrippa had heard about the apostle Paul and he wanted to hear him. He wanted to hear him preach. And so what happens? Well, Festus sets up the auditorium with great, and pomp, uh, with great pomp and circumstance. You have Agrippa and Bernice. And by the way, when we were there in 2019, we were uh, our team that went to Israel. We stood in the place where the Apostle Paul preached his message to King Agrippa. It was an incredible place. So, so he wanted to hear the Apostle Paul. So Agrippa and Bernice, along with other dignitaries of the city, they come to the arena to hear Paul speak. And here's the interesting thing. The Roman governors thought that they were holding Paul prisoner. But the reality was, reality was God was holding them captive so they can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that, Paul recognized that. See, Paul knew that the hardships that, they, that he was experiencing in life had a bigger and deeper meaning to it. You know, sometimes we go, through life, we go through things in life, and I'll be honest with you, it's not fair. Anybody ever had those experiences? Just not fair. It's not fair that you have more experience, and yet you get overlooked by the, by the promotion board. It's not fair that you don't do this. Or, life is full of that, right? Some people get treated better than other people get treated. We face the inequities and the injustices. While, uh, again, while there are other people who are clearly guilty, pardon my language here, but they kind of get away with murder. And we scratch our head and we wonder, how can they get away with things and not me? You see, God's Word doesn't promise us a, life, a, a, a fair life. No, nowhere in there do we find Scripture promising us a fair life. We, we live in a fallen world. It's marred by sin. If you're looking for a fair life, listen, you're going to be disappointed. If you haven't been already, you're going to be disappointed. The Psalms that I mentioned, Psalm 73, he doesn't stop there. He, again, he talks about what he sees. But then he adds this in verse 16. You can read it last. I would encourage you. This is one of my favorite Psalms. When I get down, when I'm discouraged, I go read Psalm 73. He goes in verse 16. He said, look, if I had given up or if I had given in and I'd talked like this, I would have betrayed you dear, you, dear children. Still, he said, when I tried to figure it out, we do that, right? We try to figure it out. He said, when I tried to figure it out, all I got was a splitting headache. That's why the Bible says, lean not to your own understanding. He said, all I got was a splitting headache until I entered the sanctuary. Notice what happened. Until I entered the sanctuary of God, then I saw the whole picture. The slippery road you put them on with a final crash in a ditch of delusions. In the blink of an eye, disaster, a blind curve in the dark, and a nightmare. You know what he's saying there? He said, look, I'm looking at these people, and I'm envying them. Because I'm struggling. I've chosen to follow the Lord. I've chosen to be on the narrow way. I'm serving Him. I'm raising my family to serve Him. I, I, I'm sacrificing to give to Him. I, don't, I, I look at all these other people, and they prosper, and then they don't. It seems like, again, it's perspective. It seems like they don't struggle for anything. They have more money than they know what to do with. They do all these things, and I can't even make from payday to payday. And it just disturbs me. It bothers me. He said, you know, it almost became too much. In other words, he got to the point where he was almost ready to say, I quit. He said, but then I went into the house of the Lord. And my perspective changed. See, it's one thing to live right now looking in the linear fashion that we do. It's another thing to have faith to see beyond Paul was able to capture that. He said, I pressed toward the mark. The mark was something he saw in the distance, something he saw in eternity. Jesus, speaking to his disciples in John 14, he said, don't let your heart be troubled. I think he would say it to us too. Don't let your heart be troubled by the circumstances of life. Don't let your heart be overwhelmed by the, the things that happen to you and the things that you go through. Don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe in me. Because in my Father's house... I'm preparing a place. And if I go there, I'll come back and I'll get you. Boy, what a promise that we have. Most of us know life isn't fair. Fairness and equality may never come in this life, but I want you to hear me this morning. We serve a God who will one day balance the books. Everything that we've sacrificed and given up in this life for him will be more than made up for in the next life. That's why the Bible says, if you had that kind of hope, 
nothing in this world can do you in. You know, again, the reality is all of us get the short stick of life sometimes. Maybe right now you've gotten the short stick, uh, the short end of the stick in life. But, but listen, God's going to balance the books. And you're going to receive that reward. Perhaps maybe, uh, perhaps this is what Paul meant when he wrote in Romans chapter 8. where I love the word. He said, for I reckon. I, Paul had to be from the south. Yeah. I reckon. I think we need to start reckoning again. Now the word in Hebrew reckon means to contemplate or to calculate or to consider. He said, I reckon that this present suffering. Picture that. I've calculated that what I'm going through right now can't even compare. That's what he said. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worth to be not worthy to be compared to the glory that will be revealed in us. In other words, if Jesus Christ is Lord of your life right now, this is as bad as it will ever be. Now I'm not minimizing it being bad. Listen, I'm allergic to one thing. Hey, you good? You guys are good. (laughs) I don't like pain. I don't like any kind of pain. I'm not minimizing it, but if Jesus is Lord of our lives, this is as bad as it will ever be because I have the hope of heaven. I have the hope of heaven. And there are, there are, there are believers that I, I think about the, I've been to Cuba five times and I've worshiped with our Cuban brothers and sisters in the Lord and they struggle, they have, they have virtually nothing. And yet they worship and they praise and they thank God because they think they're the blessed, most blessed people on the face of the earth. In a yellow and white tent in the jungles of Nicaragua, standing there with probably 250 people on a dirt floor with, a, with, with benches that hurt you. And they're worshiping and they're grateful and they're thankful. And I have to go to my prayer closet and say, God, I'm sorry for belly aching. I'm sorry for whining. It's a matter of perspective. Listen, we might get the short end of the stick, but it's time we start reckoning, contemplating that what we go through now pales to what he's already made for us there. You see, the very thing that, our, that mankind pursues and, and is driven for, the, the gold, in that place, it's just asphalt. <laughs> it is so worthless in that place that he's prepared for us that it's asphalt. I don't know. That's going to be a wonderful place. Amen. You know, there, listen, there will always be somebody with more. There will always be somebody prettier than you. I do find that hard to believe, though, sometimes. No, no I said that out loud. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Making sure you're still listening to me. <laughs> there will always be somebody more popular than you, have more stuff than you, have better stuff than you. Listen, there will be a payday, and the accounts will be balanced. And I love what Paul doesn't say. Paul, in his admonition, he doesn't say, Rejoice in the Lord always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks as long as life treats you fair. He doesn't say that, nor does he say, Rejoice in the Lord, pray without ceasing, in all things give thanks when things are good. He doesn't say, Rejoice in the Lord, pray without ceasing, in all things give thanks if everybody likes you. No, he says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, In everything give thanks for this is God's will for you. You know, for some, this Thursday is going to come. i got to hurry up. This Thursday is going to come, and on the calendar, it's going to say Thanksgiving Day. But they won't have Thanksgiving in their heart. Because they're going to look around, and they're going to see that life has not been fair to them. And that there is no justice in the world, it seems. But Paul doesn't qualify that. He just simply says, go ahead and rejoice and pray and be thankful. Attitude of gratitude. You know, we've all met those cheerful people that seem to have a perfect life, you know. Nothing goes wrong for them. And they want to tell us that we should just be thankful and we should cheer up and move on. And in our, we immediately step back and say, you know what? Just wait till you have to go through what I've gone through. And that'll knock some of the bloom off your rose. <laughs> But then there are other people, and this is my experience here for 30 years. I've known many people that life has punched them in the face. Hardships. And they never lost their smile. Never lost their smile. 
Some of you remember, and I use this a lot. I, I only share what I experienced in life, but when Sheila had her stroke back in January of 2012, the board at that time had asked me to take a sabbatical. They wanted me to, they wanted me to take time to, to be with my wife as she went through all the stuff. It was a long process. It was new to me. I was 46 years old. Young man, it was a struggle. I didn't understand. You know, I'd been preaching for a long time. And it was a hard thing, but I felt, I said, you know, I don't, I don't want a sabbatical. I said, because, I said, this church needs to see me hurt. Not that you get joy out of me hurting. That was not the point. The point was you needed to see me struggle. And some of you can remember back to that time where I cried through most every service for months. I would get up here and I would preach and I would get to a, I'd say something and tears would begin to, would begin to flow because it's not easy to see the one that God had given you as a, a helpmate to now be incapacitated. But I wanted the body to see me struggle through it all because I had to go, I had to learn how to lean on him. I had to learn to trust him <coughs> when things didn't make sense to me. And what I'm saying this morning is that I've seen, there have been all kinds of people that I've met down through the years of 30 years pastoring here that have lived very difficult lives. They kept their faith and they kept a smile. And I said, God, that's what I want to be. You know, I was telling the early service this morning, my wife, one of the things that they started doing a couple years ago was because of not just having the stroke, but she has MS as well. And so her body now is atrophying, and so it's drawing up. So that dead arm that she has, her right hand is totally paralyzed. She can't do anything with it. And one of the things they were concerned about is her hand, you know, when you atrophy, you don't use things. It just starts shrinking and, and, and curling and doing all that. So her hand used to be clenched like a fist. And they were concerned that her fingernails would grow into her skin. <coughs> and so a few years ago, what they started doing was giving her Botox injections. So I take her, uh, I think it's every, I think the schedule is about every two months. And they'll give her like 16 shots in her arm, her hand, to keep those ligaments from, from tightening. Well, this week, one of the things they did, Wednesday was her injection day. And so Wednesday, uh, they did something new because now her, her legs are drawing up in so her right leg, which is the paralyzed side, she, it, the, the, the bottom of her foot probably hasn't touched the ground in a year because it, it it's, it's drawing up. And so he decided that he wanted to start doing Botox, not just in the hand, but in the legs too. So I'm pushing my wife, and, and again, most of you know I'm allergic to pain. I don't like pain. And so I'm here with my wife as he takes those needles and he starts doing the injections in the hand. He said, now, Sheila, we're going we're gonna to do your legs. And I don't know about you, but I don't think getting shots in your legs is, is very appealing, right? So he starts putting shots in her legs, does maybe 10 or 12. And he would, every once in a while, he would stop and he would say, now, Sheila, are you okay? And she would grin and say, I'm fine. I mean, and she meant it, I'm fine. And he's like, he said, I wish I had more patience like you. He said, I've never seen you complain about anything. I've never seen you gripe about anything. He said, I, every time I see you, he said, you've got a big smile on your face. I said, Doc, I wouldn't be smiling if you're sticking needles in my leg. I promise you that. <laughs> I look at this frail lady that is a shell of who I married 37 years ago. With a big smile on her face. And join her heart in all things give thanks. She, uh, thank you. When, when she broke her hip back in 19, I was in Israel and we were coming back and she went into surgery to have that hip replaced or, or, or fixed. When we do follow up with her doctor, her doctor, her surgeon one time said, he said, can I hire you? He said, you know, one of the most depressing places to be is in a waiting room of a doctor's office. He said, I've never seen you not smile at anything. I ask you how you're doing, and you say, fine. He said, I want to hire you to sit in my waiting room 
with a smile on your face so that everybody around you can, it's infectious, you know that. She starts laughing in the church, we lose it because everybody laughs. I've met people that I admire that have gone through rough spots that have kept the joy of the Lord as their strength. Guys, come on back as I wrap this up. You know, I appreciate Paul's writing in 1 Thessalonians there telling me to rejoice and to pray and to be thankful. But you know what gets my fire going? Philippians 4.4. I I love that. When he writes that, you know what he says? He said, rejoice in the Lord always. And he said, you know what? I mean it so much, I'm going to tell you to do it again. Rejoice. The thing is, he writes this while he's in prison. And it's not like our country club prisons that we have in in our society today. This dude's in a dungeon, in the innards of the dungeon, (laughs) waiting on the executioner. At least he didn't know otherwise. And yet he had the wherewithal in the middle of his disappointment or difficulty to say, rejoice in the Lord always, and I'll say it to you again, rejoice. You know what? Paul refused to allow the world to rob him of his joy. Right up to the end of his life, he writes to his apprentice son in the Lord Timothy and he said you know what and I mentioned this at, at the funeral the other day he wrote to Timothy he said Timothy I am already being poured out like a drink offering the time of my departure is at hand I have fought the good fight I finished the race I have kept the faith finally there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord the righteous judge will give to me on that day and not only to me listen to this but to all those who have loved his appearing. What I want to say this Thanksgiving, again, most of us here could probably talk about the problems and the difficulties we're having right now, but let me just challenge you. This Thanksgiving, pause and say thank you. You You may have to do it before the family gets there because things are going to blow up when they show up. No. No, seriously. Just be just pause for a little bit and say thank you. Let's refuse to allow the enemy to rob us of our joy. We may look around and it may seem like evil people are prospering and those who are of the faith struggle. That's a question I can't answer. But what I can tell you is that we've been given a lot. This communion that we've had, these elements here, represent the greatest gift that's ever been given. Amen. The greatest gift ever been given. And if he never did any, I know it's a cliche, but if if he never does another thing for me, having my name written in the Lamb's Book of Life is enough for me to thank him forever. Amen. That's That's a good place to do that. When John was writing, the John of the John the Revelator, the Apostle John, he writes about heaven and and I think that we don't understand grace. I don't think we understand the depth, the 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 gravity of salvation. We do in a little bit, and I understand that. But John says, he writes one time that he's up there in heaven and the scrolls are ready to be opened and they can't find anybody. You know the story well. And the Bible said there was a search that was made all over creation looking for somebody worthy. And then finally, uh, you know, John's weeping and he said, the elder said, don't weep because there is one. There's one. And the Bible says that the lamb slain from the foundation of the world steps out to unfurl the scrolls. And immediately the masses fall prostrate before him I think at that moment the light goes on and for the first time we recognize how amazing his grace really is so be thankful this Thanksgiving season don't don't be uptight don't get mad because somebody uses store-bought stuffing stuffing instead of cornbread dressing Don't be upset if they can't cook. <laughs> I, I told the early service, I said, you know what? If you don't have money to, if you don't have the, the means to get a turkey this year, get a, get a bologna sandwich and be thankful. If you, don't, if, 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 if you don't have a family to gather with, find a friend, be thankful. And if you don't have a friend, make a friend. And if you can't make a friend, buy a dog. I'm just saying, be thankful for something. Because if we stop long enough and we add it all up, 
and we can get down to the minutia of life, we have a lot to be thankful for. You know what? As I'm closing this morning, I'm going to say this. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for this body. You know, I, the, the struggles that I never anticipated when I started pastoring this church in 93 that I would ever have to deal with, with what I'm dealing with now with my wife. I never did. People say, Pastor, I just don't know how you do it. And I'll tell you how I do it because I have a support system. That's why I say all the time, church is important. I appreciate online and all the people. We have people watching all over the world, and I'm thankful for that. But you know what? There's something about being together. There's something about somebody coming up, putting a hand on my shoulder and saying, you know what? I'm praying for you today. You can't, you can't do that digitally. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for your heart for missions, your heart for ministry. You know, we're one of the busiest churches in the area, and I, I'm not disparaging any other church but you have a heart to work and I believe it's impacting the kingdom one day we'll stand in heaven and we'll meet people for the first time that we've never met before and we'll say because you did these things I'm here today I want you to stand with me this morning in everything give thanks for this is God's will what I want to do this morning is I'm just going to open the altar area as we sing this morning and maybe you didn't, you weren't able to participate. Maybe you came in late or something you weren't able to participate in communion. Here's the perfect time to do that as we worship this morning this, or this last song today. Maybe as a way of saying thank you. Maybe step out and go have communion or maybe here this morning say, you know what, Pastor, I, I just, I need to lay down some gripes some moans I need to have my perspective shifted because I truly am blessed of God I truly am let's take the day to do that as they sing this morning would you just come just for a moment just to I, I, you say why do I need to come down listen every, we're altered at the altar I'm not saying God can't do it in our seat but there's something about taking the initiative to step out and to walk forward and say God I, I want to thank you so if we do that this morning as we sing just say thank you. Go ahead. Blessed assurance Jesus is mine He's been my fourth man in the fire time after time Born of His Spirit, washed in His blood, and what He did for me on Calvary is more than enough. I trust in God, my Savior, the one who will never He will never fail. I trust in God, my Savior, the one who will never fail. He will never fail. Perfect submission. This is my story, this is my song, praising my risen King and Savior all the day long. Oh, I trust in God, my Savior.
never fail church he'll never disappoint you be thankful with a grateful heart I look around I see some miracle babies young ladies (laughs) how are you guys now good night 14 I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather have Jesus than riches untold. And that's all the song I know. (laughs) Just give me Jesus. Because when you have Jesus, you have everything. Be thankful this week. Father, today I love you. Thank you. You're so, so good. (laughs) And we we don't deserve any of it, but you're good. Thank you. This week, may we slow the pace enough to say thank you and to let others know that we are blessed.
and we're grateful. Go with us now. For those traveling, I pray traveling mercies upon them. May we all have a great week thanking you, celebrating with those we love and care. Bring us home safely. Give us a great week. May we walk with you every day. May we be blessed every day. May we shine our light every day, pointing people to you. Go with us now. Give us a great day, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being with us online. I'll see you next time. God bless you, and I love you. Never fail.